0: The Start On 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 Demand.
1: Today marks an important and dark anniversary in Canada, the third anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. We'll speak to Global's Brittany Greenslade, who was dispatched to cover the tragedy three years ago. Over the long weekend, I got to golf three times, which was great, but there was an unexpected side effect. I was exhausted just from being around people again. I was in bed by 9 o'clock every night. So we talked to psychologist Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman about the social anxiety that comes with being around people again. Vaccine shaming. Would you question somebody if you thought they were jumping the queue to get a vaccine? And stories about would. Yes, would. We'll explain. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, April 6th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Mackling back in the house. Hello there, GMAC.
0: How you doing, Brett? How you doing, Loren? Thank you so much for holding things down yesterday. I'm very grateful for the four-day weekend. And the four day work week past and the four day work week ahead. So thanks very much. Great to be back with you.
2: Well, Brett wasn't happy with <laughs> you yesterday, so and he expressed that publicly. When you take a day off, my friend. Take, take a it day off. off.
1: Yeah. Mm. I don't want to hear from you before ten AM. Sure don't booking guests and sending emails and texts. Yep. If hey. you want, if you don't want the day off, I'll happily take the day off. Still angry, if, it, if Look, you can tell, I was, there's still slept, some
2: lingering anger there.
1: <laughs> I slept all the way till seven
0: o'clock. It felt like a day off, and so I had to get cracking on getting ready for today. I, I apologize uh, for for upsetting you so. I appreciate you looking out for me the way you do.
1: <laughs> uh, I brought and I brought Loren some joy apparently as well because Loren and I were both quite frankly super grumpy yesterday. We had terrible sleeps on uh, Sunday leading into Monday. How did you make out yesterday, Loren? Did you get any sleep?
2: No, I'm just giving up on the nap, so I don't even try that anymore. And then I don't think I fell asleep until 10:30 last oh, night. So
1: man, I did nothing but sleep yesterday. I Good. was like, but it was almost pathetic because I got home. I sat down on the couch and fell asleep almost instantly around noon, woke up at 1, and then I think I fell asleep again at 2.30 on the couch, woke up at 3.30, and then just said to heck with this. I went to bed at 7, and I (laughs) woke up at 10.50 thinking it was time to get up for work. I actually got up and started my routine and then looked at the clock and thought, oh, I I can go back to
2: bed. What a glorious feeling that would have been. It was. To look at the clock and think, hang on, I got... Hours, hours to work with here. <laughs> yeah.
1: So then I went back to bed, and then I woke up at twelve thirty, thinking same thing, and uh, got up and like, ah, I can go back to bed again. <laughs> so it got to the point where, like, when I finally did get up, my my body was sore from sleeping too much. If that you know, like, you're I was just so stiff, too from, long in bed. Yeah. So so I'm I'm feeling much better today. I actually feel rested for once on a Tuesday. You have is, a sparkle in your eye. Uh Are you sure that's not just the purple light? It could be. I'm uh, just suggesting
0: that uh, from where I'm sitting, you have a sparkle in your
1: eye. That's all. Well, Loren, uh, probably not uh, necessarily. I think some people probably might have some sparkles in their eyes yesterday after the camping. But we saw so many stories yesterday of people getting kicked out of the system.
2: Yeah, this camping reservation system is going to be food- for fodder or fodder for arguments or whatever for the next couple of days because it opens up again tomorrow to other campsites and then later in the week to the remaining campgrounds in the province. And, of course, every single year there are people complaining that they log on to the system and then get kicked off. And so what we learned uh, later in the day is just how many people were trying to book campsites yesterday. So uh, in the morning yesterday, they had 12,000 people just right at the off the hop at 7 a.m., Uh, trying to jump on and many of them using multiple devices and browsers last year at that same time at 7 a.m. only 2,000 so there was six times the number of people trying to log on and then bookings they had almost double the number of bookings yesterday by 11 a.m. 10,668 reservations compared to 5,700 reservations last year on day one and so yes you don't have enough supply to meet that kind of demand but I'll say this Greg even last year (laughs) when they had far fewer people trying to attempt reservations, the system still crashed a few times for many people. So something's not right there. Something needs to get fixed. I don't know if that's just a software thing, if it's a staffing thing, maybe go back to the old phone system. I don't know what, but every single year it's a problem regardless of the fact that, yes, okay, this year more people might be trying to camp than ever before.
0: It sounds like June 2011 all over again when people were trying to get online for jet season tickets. What did they say, Ticketmaster? I think the number was 200,000 devices trying to get online for those season tickets, and of course they sold out in less than an hour, and it was like winning the lottery, and so some people are suggesting if it's going to feel like winning a lottery when you get a campsite, maybe there should be some sort of lottery system, something a little bit uh, more random, if it's going to be random anyway, lots of conversation about it. Jackie walked in the door yesterday, she was on, her, on the phone with her friend, who I will identify at, only as T. And it sounded like the teacher from from the Peanuts uh, series. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, a flurry of expletives. And uh, that was seven, eight hours after she'd been on the system trying to get some campsites. It did not go very well, but clearly... There are thousands of happy Manitobans who managed to book some campsites.
2: I I will say it did yield a lot of hilarious responses on social media from people who are saying, like, we should change the way that we do this. You know, make it like some sort of live streamed brawl, like a fight to the finish (laughs) for a campsite. And then people were like tweeting, like, does anyone have space I can uh, rent in your backyard? And what's the going rate for your backyard fire pits just so I can camp? this year and then we had a listener also text in saying like walmart parking lots looking pretty good by by my account right so i will say i I enjoyed the humor that we were able to find in this even if i i can guarantee in that moment the people who were trying to camp weren't laughing
0: it's going to be uh, flipping next right brett people are now going to be you're going to go into kijiji and facebook marketplace and you're going to see hey, I have a week worth of camping to sell for you. It's triple the price.
2: But also got a uh, side of pork if you want to throw that on the barbecue. Yeah, just maybe
0: that's what we'll be selling on the side,
1: right? Well, we actually had somebody reach out to us yesterday on Instagram saying we've just given up on making reservations that uh, on the opening day. We make our reservations. This this is from Bobby who says we make reservations the week of People cancel all the time. Mm. Um, maybe they can charge full rate if you cancel less than 24 hours and give people who get the cancellations a discount. Always booked solid on website and you go there and then there's lots of empty sites.
2: Hmm.
1: I wow. have no experience with this. I like I, I've been camping, I think, three times in my life, maybe four if you count the one time I camped outside. Uh, uh, friend's place in Saint Malo, a big shaker, and she said, "You're welcome to to camp in my in the front yard if you want." And we did, and it rained, and it was a disaster. So we packed up and left.
2: What's her number? Does she have any sites available this year? <laughs>
1: Sleeping
0: on the porch
1: is
2: not Brett's, camping,
1: uh, Brett. Brett.
2: Brett told me that uh, you're running a little camp side, <laughs> side ground camp hustle, a little side hustle going on in Saint Malo.
0: Well, if you've got an acreage out there. <laughs>
1: All right, so now we want to ask you the question. If you had the opportunity to be vaccinated earlier than you expected, would you take it?
2: Yeah, an Alberta woman had that chance earlier this week. She's in Edmonton and she did take it, Brett. She booked an appointment at a pharmacy after learning about the fact that it had some leftover doses. But her story isn't just raising questions about how bookings across this country are working and and how leftover supplies might be managed. It's also raising questions about vaccine shaming, which I just basically learned this morning, is people who are accusing others of jumping the queue, so to speak.
3: When Gwendolyn Hunka got her first dose of the Pfizer vaccine, she felt joy and guilt. It's like, well, why do you deserve it? But Hanka is eligible for Alberta's current stage of the vaccine rollout. She's part of 2B, a phase that includes people with eligible high-risk underlying conditions. I have Crohn's and my BMI. I'm eligible for 2B. She's just not yet in the age group that qualifies for the shot. But after being tipped off from a friend, discovered a white-aft pharmacy was trying to get leftover doses into arms. I called them at 10.30 at night and they picked up and said, yep, yeah, we have appointments from Open from 1 till 6 p.m. tomorrow and Sunday. Alberta Health says all pharmacies are given explicit guidance on booking and utilizing a wait list to make sure doses aren't wasted. Hanka says she's grateful for the unexpected dose, but has concerns on how she found out about it. It shouldn't be vaccination by gossip. It shouldn't be who you you know online that gets you vaccinated. She's also concerned about people being shamed for so-called Q-jumping. After posting about her shot, Hunka got messages asking why she qualified. We don't know the situation. You don't know the intricacies that go with that. But we should just be so happy that doses are getting in arms. As pharmacists work to get as many people vaccinated as possible, Hunka says a dose in any arm is better than one in the trash. The pharmacies wouldn't give somebody the shot if they knew that it was the wrong thing to do. If you have the opportunity, take it. Morgan Black, Global News.
0: So vaccine shaming, also on social media, don't waste a single dose of the vaccine. And I think uh, it was very well said right at the end there. The woman didn't just go out and get it. She didn't take it. She didn't steal it. Somebody gave it to her. A a medical professional who has guidelines that need to be followed gave it to her. I don't know what, yeah. Why on earth would you be anything but happy for somebody who gets this vaccine? All, All weekend I was seeing on social media people asking the question about if you got, you know, if you had the opportunity, would it matter? Did you need, Would you need an appointment? If you got a phone call, Ian McCausland, the photographer, a good friend of uh, CJOB, put up a poll, and, and 97% of people answered his question. If you got a call from the Vaccine, vaccine Supercenter, we have an appointment at 1 a.m. Would you go yes. and get it? 150, 147 out of 150 people right. roughly said, yes, I would. So why this? why are we going down this road? I don't understand. Are we bored? Like,
2: <laughs> I, 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 I genuinely don't know. I don't know why you would call someone else about it. And also, if you're not, if you, if you're not eligible yet anyway, what are you worried about? So she, she phoned the right. pharmacy. They said she could come get it. She has an underlying condition, which is Crohn's disease. So she would be ahead of me, for example, if we're, say, the same age. What am I upset about? I'm still 200,000th down the list. Like, what am I angry about? Somebody else? Good. Now I'm 1,999,000 down the list. Great. You ticked one off.
1: Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the more people we can get vaccinated quicker, the better. Especially when you hear reports from all over the place where millions and millions of people have already received a shot. just seems like we're so far behind. So let's just get this done and uh, stop shaming people. I, mean, I know that's what social media is all about. It's shaming people for everything. Kelly Moore is right. Anti-social media. Tackling McGarry, and McNabb. Right now, we want to talk about wood. Greg, you said, was it the... Did somebody the, say rub? <laughs> was, it, was it the two-by-four, the cost of the two-by-four? Oh, 10 Home
0: Depot yesterday. They're usually, well, in normal times, they're about $3.30. Oh, wow. They wow. Were, yeah, they went up to about 10 bucks last week, and then uh, now they
1: are on the precipice of $11. So, I think- yes, I, I'm shocked. And I guess that's just because of all the people finally getting around to doing those renovations or building that deck or whatever?
0: Sure, let's go with that. That's what they're trying to sell us. I was talking to somebody about it yesterday. It's like, you know what makes me really angry? This is Canadian wood in the first... Anyway, lots of places we could go with that conversation.
1: Well, and that's where we want to go right now. A 204-780-6868. $20 gift card. Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs. Tell us a story... About wood, whether it's something that you tried to build and failed, or perhaps you had a tree house or a fort when you were a kid, or maybe you built yourself a bike ramp to do some sweet jumps, or maybe you just have a weird random story about wood. For example, my story is in Mazatlan. Greg, you know the bar. What's it called?
0: Bora Bora.
1: And I was dancing on a bench <laughs> and it broke. And the piece... And I took a piece of wood as a souvenir... And I, st- I still have it. It's about a foot long. You and are hacksaw, I- Jim Duggan. <laughs> oh, USA, <laughs> USA. But uh, as I was walking out of the bar, I could see the bouncers eyeing me up. And I said to the guys, I think we got to get out of here because they, they, aren- they don't quite realize what's happened. But I think they're putting it together, especially since I was holding the wood. So, <laughs> so we fled the Bandle. bar. Yeah, I should have had it framed or something. I've got it. I've got it in a box somewhere in my apartment. So that's my story. Cam Poitras, you got one?
0: Uh, I don't have too much experience with wood. You know, I'm not a homeowner. and I, 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 uh, So, But when I have built something, I, I like to garden and I'm getting my garden ready. And I built raised beds for myself. It was kind of the first thing I ever built with wood. So that was pretty cool. And a uh, shout out to my uh, uncle Colin and Aunt Jill at Hillside Building Supply out there in Traverse Bay. Oh, look at that! If you ever, ever they have, they have the wow. great selection of lumber, so uh, just a shout out to them. It's Really wow. great. Cam has uh, weekend sneak, accommodations uh, all summer long. Uh, I'll now. sneak. I'll sneak one in whenever I can. <laughs>
4: uh, Bron, you got anything? My story is called Uncle Stan and His Wooden Leg, and it's uh, my mom had this Uncle Stan. And he lived in California, and he and his wife, Marion, would drive up to visit us every now and then. And the first time they did, I was about five, and they came up, and I didn't know he had an artificial leg. I just knew that he had a bad limp, and they told me, oh, he has a sore leg. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And early one morning, I was first up in the house. No one else was up, and I snuck down to where Stan and Marion were sleeping, and I thought, well, maybe they're up. I'll go see. And I walk into their room, and his leg is just propped up against a chair, And I freaked out because I didn't know what was going on. I started screaming. I was running around the house yelling, his leg is off. His (gasps) leg is off. His leg is off. And they had to calm me down and try to explain to me the concept of an artificial leg. And uh, that that was, that was, that's
1: my wood story. (laughs) (laughs) That's great.
5: Great story. Fortier, you got something? How do I compete with that? um do you want us to circle back no 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 no. well you know i'm like cam i don't have that much experience with wood um you know made stuff in shops class i wasn't that bad at it you know i was always a little worried about using the saws knock on wood <laughs> you gotta do that because you never know what will happen uh, you never do But uh, me and my buddy jay when we were kids we made a little bike ramp it was just it was, it was really crappy. <laughs> did you
1: Did you hurt yourself on it?
5: No, actually, we didn't, but we spray painted it. It looked like crap. and uh,
1: <laughs> that's my good story. Was it functional? Could you do a sweet jump on the ramp? Well, you can go
5: up over and down on it. and it was held up by uh, the two. you get those plastic bins from Superstore. Back in the day, they were like the green or purple. Yeah, and yeah, it was did, held up by those. Did you did you try to hit top speed? <laughs> no, no I, I, I'm gonna have to say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
1: well, good for you for at least trying. I never would have even tried. Loren, you got something?
2: Well, we all know I do the habitat build every year and I'm useless at it, but I will say there is something super satisfying about a hammer and a nail. So you give me any section of wood and say, put a nail in there and I I can handle that. No, well, when I go back to the, the my best and most shameful project. It would go back to, we called it industrial arts. Do you remember that? It wasn't sure. called shop. It was just called industrial That's arts. That's right. <laughs> Trying to make it sound good. And I came home with a sign that had both my parents saying, this is what you did with your time in shop because we were learning how to solder wood when you could put like letters into the wood um, with a, it's kind of a heat tool. And I soldered into the wood in in a big sign that I hung up over my bulletin board in my room, a sign that said, I heart boys. (laughs) 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 That basically stuck around in my room for like five years. And even when I think I painted it and everything, and it's just like, it's kind of a shameful coming home from class thing where that, that's what I did with my time. Solder <laughs> into the wood. I heart boys. So. You
0: had another t-shirt idea from Loren.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just,
2: just a low brow Jeez, thought. Sure. Mackling,
1: what's your story?
2: Well, you,
0: you know, my, my grandpa was a carpenter, so I couldn't, I'm not allowed to, at least in my mind, throw out any piece of lumber that's longer than 12 inches. So you can have all these off cuts. And... I know, Lorraine, you've been in my garage. I've got an entire Rubbermaid container of these offcuts. Well, I was framed. Storage fra-
2: unit? Yes, I have been in there. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I've been, I have I framed houses with my uncle uh, a couple of summers. And uh, so I was picking up these scraps of wood and And uh, the homeowner, the guy who was building the wood said, what, what are you doing? I said, hey, I was going to ask you, do you mind if I take these scraps home? I w- want to build a bookcase. He says, yeah, help yourself. Go ahead. So I take these. Some of the scraps wouldn't necessarily uh, count as scrap, if you know what I'm saying. And I get it home and I build this incredible bookshelf. I've got it all laid out. I got it all figured out to custom made just to fit on my wall perfectly. Couldn't get it up the stairs, it was way too big. I built it out on the deck. I dragged it in through the house. I looked at the stairs and this tall this is not going to make it, no matter how I tried. So I ended up disassembling it and. Uh, Never put it back together. So So, (laughs) I feel shame even
1: sharing that story. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, previous half hour, one of the things we were discussing was vaccine shaming and guilt from the vaccine. And Loren, great text from Andrea.
2: Yeah, she wrote to say, I received my first dose on the weekend and I have extreme guilt. I work in a healthcare setting with very little direct contact with the public, but contact with employees who have direct potential prolonged contact with the public. When we were told by our employer that we were eligible, I definitely jumped at the chance, but I still feel like there are so many others that maybe should have come ahead of me. And that's from Andrea, and an interesting perspective on the opposite feeling, you know, in terms of feeling like maybe someone else should have gone first and so vaccine guilt a whole other thing that might be going on out there that never crossed my mind brett
1: much to discuss on that throughout the day i'm sure and greg coming up after seven thirty, um i know you you like uh the spice girls but do we have to do a whole segment on
0: them we do not and we won't <laughs> But we will, you know, play around with uh, some Spice Girls music because the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have partnered with a Winnipeg company. Two of them, actually. One is a coffee company. The other is a spice company. And they actually have created some specialty spices with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers logo as we get ready for barbecue season. So we'll find out about that.
1: Spice World Breakfast with the Bombers coming up at 737. But right now we want to talk about uh, something that I mentioned yesterday and a bit earlier this morning. It's what I experienced over the weekend when I got to... Went golfing over the weekend. It doesn't matter what the activity is that you're looking for uh, for a social setting. For me, it's golf. And I love the game, but I also loved that I got to see so many of my friends over the course of three days, I got to see 11 friends I haven't seen in months. And it was wonderful because for the last basically all winter, I go, I get up, I come to work, I go home and that's it. And it's just me in my apartment. But one of the weird side effects of being in that environment was I was exhausted and was asleep by 9 p.m. because I think it's because just being in a social setting was a full frontal assault on my brain and my social anxiety. So for stuff like this, we turn to our psychologist friend, Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology Manitoba. Dr. Raymond, good morning to you, sir.
5: Good morning. Good morning.
1: Is it weird that I was tired from being around other people again in a social setting?
5: No, absolutely not. And, and I think you just said it yourself. I think this is primarily tied to social anxiety. Um, what, what, what I want to do is take it a step back, if that's okay. You know, we tend to think about mental health as those people who have and those who have not, people who have mental illness and those who have not. And I think the experience that you highlighted, Brett, is really an experience that occurs for a lot of people. And I think it speaks to how common um, difficulties with mental health exist for people. And one of the most common mental health difficulties is social anxiety. And a common theme behind that is this fear of negative evaluation. And so many people with social anxiety, you know, although can can do really well with certain people being around like the social engagement with people really tires them out because it it requires this ongoing kind of mental processing. And that's what tires people out. And so what you experienced was that.
2: When we talk about social anxiety, I'm curious now if that's one of the things we might be learning about ourselves as we emerge, hopefully, out of this pandemic. Raymond, the idea that maybe I didn't know before that I had that, and now that I've sort of been cocooned, so to speak, for the yeah. for the past year, when you when you emerge again, you're realizing, oh wow, I am maybe more uncomfortable in this situation than than I realized I was before.
5: Yeah, it is. It is entirely possible, and, and many people with difficulties with anxiety or any other difficulty with mental health often just get used to living their life a certain way Um, particularly when it comes to anxiety or social anxiety people will say you know that's my personality that's just who I am a lot of people will, you know the new terms of introvert and extrovert not new terms but new you know the new familiarized words of introvert and extrovert are now much more common people say well I'm an introvert and certainly those things do exist, but where people don't keep in mind is that some of that might be social anxiety. And I, th- I think this pandemic has really highlighted how mental health and mental illness really applies to all of us. And people are realizing, wait a second, you know, um, when, I'm, when I've been away from people, when I haven't been engaging in what, what psychologists would call exposure, you know, this ongoing regular kind of continued engagement with other people, then I'm realizing
0: my anxiety is kicking up. Yeah, I'm I'm concerned uh, very much about the kids who have issues uh, uh, socializing in school, and the modified uh, way that they are socializing now could have, uh, in my mind, long term effects, Raymond. With regard to, uh, you know, just you get into a little bit of a routine, and even though you deal with some social anxiety, you manage it. But if you stop doing those things. Getting going again can
5: be problematic. it very much can be um and I think there's people who wouldn't have those difficulties and easily carry along, but then you know there'll be those children and those adults who struggle with social anxiety, and you're going to see that come out you know with children what we're seeing one more is also a lot of o c d we see it with adults as well too, but this what what's necessary this whole hand washing and everything like that can sometimes trigger difficulties with o c d for some people. Um, We also have to keep in mind that, you know, this pandemic has also created levels of trauma for people. So some of us, you know, who have light levels of anxiety can can gradually get back to things and everything's okay. We experience some difficulties, retired and everything goes okay. But for other people, this pandemic has created some level of trauma. Some people have been trapped at home with people who've been traumatizing. Sometimes people have been traumatized by the pandemic itself And then that creates a greater sense of complexity. And those little difficulties that where other people can get over, some people can't because their anxiety is more a reflection of something much more complicated and nuanced. And so, again, this pandemic really highlights a broad range of difficulties people are experiencing.
1: Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Raymond, thank you for the the insight on this uh, because uh, you know, like I, I just I thought I felt weird, but I figured I I've hoped, and it seems like I was correct that I'm I'm not alone. Not alone moment.
5: at all. all thank right. you for sharing your experience, Brett.
1: Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology Manitoba joining us live on The Start. And you can weigh in if this is something you experience or perhaps you fear you might experience when you get to be in a social setting once again with friends you haven't seen in a while. Feel free to shoot us a text at 204-780-6868. Again, it's not that I was unhappy to see my friends. It was just a lot. It was a lot, man.
0: And the obligatory conversation about the about the virus. Yep. And then about the vaccine. Yep. And it's like, I got together to get away from all this. And then you <laughs> spend the first 45 minutes rehashing all the things you've been thinking about, talking about, reading, seeing, et cetera.
1: <laughs> it is 7-14. I'm just
0: going to stay home. <laughs>
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb are asking you to tell us a story about wood at 204-780-6868. Price of wood. Price of a 2x4 is now 11 bucks. Greg Kara sending a good text.
0: Yeah, she sent a picture of this bumper sticker and it simply says, I love wood. And she says, this bumper sticker was my dad's and on an old cheap bookshelf that I recently parted with. Free group and neighborhood Facebook page. And I was sad to part with it. The gal who picked it up Picked up the shelf, came back a short while later with the sticker. On some waxed paper Not even damaged So I didn't have to part with the sweet Bumper sticker
1: after all That is so cool How thoughtful, Kara, thanks for that That is a really thoughtful act from that person And this other text just had me howling A first time texter Saying, when I was a young boy in England We had someone come and stay with us from Hungary He had a wooden leg and kept a spare In the rafters of our garage I decided to get it down and play Pirate one day (laughs) It was too high to reach, so I poked it with a broom. It came down and hit me in the head, cutting me open. I ran inside, bleeding profusely, my mother and sister screaming like a horror movie. Later, after stitches, my sister told the kids in the neighborhood I had bugs in my head. <laughs> that just covers such a gauntlet <laughs> of stuff. What a great kid's story. That'll learn you, right, Loren? Loren?
2: I I, I guess, for that situation that you would find yourself in again like that. Although, it's not far from a Jeff Braun story that he told Mm -mm. at 6.50. So I suppose, yes, if you find yourself in that situation, lesson learned.
1: Breakfast with the Bombers, brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And we have some... Additional music to help introduce this next segment. World, girl, <laughs> when I saw this music go into our queue this morning, I knew exactly what Greg was up to. First of all, any excuse to play the Spice Girls at 7.30 in the morning is when we will take Green a- Check mark. And of course, this is our weekly opportunity to check in with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yet another green
0: check mark. Well, maybe it should be a blue check mark. The Blue Bombers last week announced partnerships with two local companies they are working with to bring a little more joy to our lives and sprinkle in a little Blue Bomber love along the way. If you enjoy a cup of coffee or five and or are ready to heat up your barbecue cuisine, Loren, put on your ears and alert. Your taste buds.
2: So on the coffee front, we have Nagash Coffee, which is based in Niverville. Amazing coffee. They're offering up kickoff coffee on their menu as part of their Blue Bomber special. And then over at Spice World, we have a Blue Bomber spice that you can collect. Spice World owner Aaron De Los Santos is our guest. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning. How did spice come together with the Blue Bombers? Uh, it seems like a pretty unique marketing opportunity. How did this go- come about?
6: It is such a unique opportunity and we're super excited. So um, Wade Miller was actually gifted one of the sets over the Christmas and he loved it so much. And he he told me that um, they were wanting to support local and local businesses. So he reached out and here we go. <laughs> well,
0: Aaron, I have to say I, I've perused uh, the website and I've looked at the different spices. Now you have appear okay. to what appear to be, a diverse group of seasonings. Montreal Steak Spice, yeah. normally I would take uh-huh. issue with you having Montreal in the lineup, but Montreal okay. steak, steak Spice is so good. I'm mm-hmm. not going to give you a hard time today. That's simply oh, too thank good. Thank you so Memphis <laughs> 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 and Kansas City Barbecue Rubs. I'd be interested mm-hmm. to know what the difference between Kansas City and Memphis are. And of course, you have the Peg City Seasoning. Yes. What's the magic mm-hmm. in Peg City? Give us a... The magic
6: in the peg city is there's so many beautiful layers in that one and i wanted it to be something that you could season it all over the board uh, of course like great on everything but i joke with customers great on everything but not cereal um it's one of those things that is like super good on chicken super good on ribs on potatoes even on popcorn yeah it's one of those things i wanted it to have so many nice layers to it and to be all around so yeah that one was an exciting one and of course the Memphis and the Kansas, the difference between those ones, um, the Kansas is like a sweet and smoky, so it's like really nice on a rib, and then we got the Memphis is not so sweet, but it's like a sweet and savory.
1: So the coffee and cocoa barbecue rub, Uh, tell us about that. Mm -hmm. Oh, super
6: good. So that one pairs so beautifully with like a beef dish, like I've had that one with the a brisket that was slow cooked and so that thing just fell apart and so the boldness of the coffee paired with the beef and especially that sweetness of the cocoa. So it's just like the perfect pairing.
2: The Blue Bombers is obviously trying to support local, as you mentioned. They mm-hmm. have the kickoff coffee mm-hmm. from the Gash Coffee. Uh, they have mm-hmm. the bi- barbecue spice set from you guys at Spice World. I'm I'm curious, how mm-hmm. do you get into the spice game? Like, what's your background in terms of becoming an expert on how to blend all these flavors together? Because my expertise <laughs> well, the- is salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering how you got to all these other ingredients.
6: Well, that's the thing. Uh, we started off. It's a family business, and we started off in 1997. So uh, it was my my parents that took over. And what they did is we are mostly doing wholesale and doing a lot of stuff for restaurants. But the, the last five years, I figured there's such a demand for all these different flavors and people were experiencing different cuisines and different flavors from all around the world. And I figured we had all these spices, over 100 spices at our location. Why not play around with these and put these together for, for people? Because there's such a high demand out for them.
0: Aaron, are we getting more mm. as a society or as a community? Are we getting more... Uh, risky are we uh being a little bit more adventurous with the foods that we oh, eat in absolutely. your mind
6: absolutely absolutely, just because everybody nowadays with Instagram with social media and it 's especially with like the amount of different cultures within the city we're experiencing so many different flavors and right now like it's just insane how like the like adventurous people are and how, like what they're kind of stepping out of the real house uh, uh Uh, like stepping out of, uh, aside from the salt and pepper and the garlic, you know.
1: (laughs) What's chimichurri?
6: An Argentinian blend. So that one is like you, all you'd have to do is mix it with a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of like red or white wine vinegar, let it hydrate, top it on the steak, and then bon appetit.
2: Before we let you go, Aaron, I need to point Mm -hmm. out that in your Peg City Spice, you have included Uh celery uh, think, celery salt yes. Why and Greg. Bother? Why bother? Greg hates celery, <laughs> and I want. I would like you, if you could, just to extol the virtues of uh, having this flavor added in there.
6: Yes, yeah, so celery gives it such a nice texture. So we put it in the seed form, and it's that's one of the things in the blend. I didn't want one flavor to overpower the other. So if you hate celery, don't worry about it. You're not. You're not gonna uh, notice it right off the bat. If anything, it's just gonna add to the whole the whole package and add to the whole flavor of
0: it i'm going to take your word Mm -hmm. for it aaron because you you are the expert but it it doesn't (laughs) seem reasonable to me in any way shape or form that celery adds anything to any food but uh you're the expert so i'll defer to you loren um good job on on bringing this up that's an extra check mark for you on the celery debate
1: (laughs) thanks aaron we appreciate this very much you're very welcome Aaron Delos Santos joining us live on 680 CJOB from Spice World, recently partnering up with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we've uh, linked their account to our Instagram story if you want more information on that as well as their website. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, just got to have a look at yesterday's question of the day at CJOB.com, which is brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furness at 204-832-6243. Another question we asked you yesterday morning, are you making camping reservations this week? At CJOB.com, we had 60% who said camping isn't my thing, 17% not yet, I'll wait, 14% say I hate camping, and 9% say, yes, I'm all over it. That it was a bit of a closer race on Twitter. 37% said, camping isn't my thing. 26% said, yes, I'm all over it. And uh, on Instagram as well, thank you for voting on all of our platforms. 25% said yes, 75% said no. So you can still cast your vote on our question of the day that went up yesterday afternoon, which had to do to, with the vacation stuff over the summer. Uh, but we're going to put a new one up soon on the subject of vaccine shaming and should we feel guilty should you feel guilty would you question somebody have you questioned somebody i will admit that i i didn't i didn't question them in the sense of like why did you get your vaccine but i was curious because i know somebody who got their vaccine and their their age is not in the current el- eligibility and i won't go into the the details of that but turns out they had some some conditions some health conditions i was unaware of that well, made them just, a priority.
2: I think that's the thing. We, we brought to our listeners attention that story at 637 of this Alberta woman who said people were questioning why she got it. She's she has Crohn's, she has an underlying condition and when she phoned the pharmacy when they had leftover vaccine, which we know in some jurisdictions is an issue, they have leftovers at the end of the day, she got in to get hers done because she fell under this sort of subcategory, you know, farther down the list that maybe we're not even paying attention to but more than that, you don't, I mean there are so many people in this life who have things going on in their bodies uh, physically uh, with ailments or others that we don't know about and so it's, frankly it's none of our business. If someone gets in and gets in line, I don't really care how they I don't care if they rolled up and said, got any extras? <laughs> and then they got it because their friend was getting it. Right. Like, fine. Just in my opinion, you know, as long as you're not doing anything <clears throat> untoward, then just take the needle, Craig.
0: Well, are we familiar with HIPAA, Health Information Protection Act, and this whole idea that uh, we're entitled to our privacy when it comes to our health conditions and what's going on medically in our worlds. And so now you go on social media and say, hey, I got my vaccine. Now, not only are you asking, well, hey, how old are you? Question that you should never ask uh, if you're polite. And then, uh huh. And so, what health condition do you have that justifies this grand larceny that you've committed and uh, getting in line ahead of me? You know, like there's just so many questions here. And I guess the other side is, do we have to? Do we have to declare everything on social media? Let me just go get your vaccine, and let's just keep it to ourselves. <laughs>
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. Today marks a dark day on the Canadian calendar.
0: Yeah, it was three years ago today that a bus crash in rural Saskatchewan shook our country's collective emotions and had most of us hugging our kids a little tighter. Do you remember where you were when the news of the Humboldt Broncos team bus crash made it to your eyes or ears, at Loren, I can guarantee our next guest sure does.
2: Yeah, our colleague Brittany Greenslade of Global News here in Winnipeg joins us now. Good morning, Brittany.
7: Good morning.
2: I know for you, uh, there was probably the shock of hearing the news, but also the fact that it was your job to hit the road and go cover this. And so if you can, maybe take us back three years ago about your first reactions and then your f- first moments on scene as you approached Humboldt.
7: Yeah, this day always still shakes me a bit thinking back about the memories of the week that I spent in Humboldt. But um, my colleague uh, Randall and I, who's he's my one of my cameramen, we hit the road early. It would have been tomorrow um, after we'd heard the news and got sent to go to Humboldt to start covering it, we left about five o'clock in the morning. And and for us, we didn't have a whole lot of information like many people. We had heard rumors of how bad things were, but there wasn't a lot of of facts yet. We didn't know how many people had been killed. We didn't know how bad the crash was. so the whole drive down there and it, it's it's a long drive the whole way down it was trying to prepare ourselves mentally for what was going to come um, you hope for the best certainly that unfortunately wasn't wasn't the case here um, we started getting news as we were on the road and started hearing about those fatalities and it just it shakes you um, it's everything that you didn't want to be true you were you were hoping when you got down there that maybe they'd miscounted or maybe there was gonna be more people that had had survived than there were. And we arrived at the arena was the first place that we went and you walked in and it could just feel a heaviness as you walked in Um, on the stairs up towards uh, the bleachers. It was packed with flowers and um, notes to each of the players, um, you have to remember a lot of these kids were billeted as well. So it wasn't just their families that were affected, but it was also their billet families. So there were little notes from, you know, one of the billet sisters to one of, of the players. Uh, on box of mac and cheese because it was his favorite meal (laughs) so she had a little note on there so there were all these little glimpses into who each of these boys were who each of these coaches were Uh, dana bronze who was um you know the athletic therapist for them as well so you started learning about each of these people and each of their lives and it just seemed to get worse as we got down there And we started getting the glimpses of the ones that that had survived but it was I'll never forget that heaviness walking into that arena and the sounds of people crying uncontrollably.
1: Have you ever covered uh, a single incident like this that's had such uh, a major impact on uh, not just that region, but the entire country?
7: Not like this. Um, you know, I, was, I went down to cover the one year anniversary of the Las Vegas shooting. We went down with one of the Manitobans who'd been shot down there but I don't think for many of us in our career ever cover something like this. Um, The scope of how big this was, the impact that it had on Canadians and on people around the world. I remember walking into one of the, it's the only floral shop in Humboldt and the owner was run off her feet. She was getting calls. The phone didn't stop ringing when we were there. And it was people from around the world that were calling to say, I want to place an order for a bouquet. Can you give it to one of the families or can you go place it um, at the arena? I just, I want to do something, but I don't know what to do. And that really struck me as well as people that just said, you know, give it to a family, give it to somebody that you see that's in need, that feels like they need something to brighten their day. And these calls were coming in from everywhere.
0: Brittany, for those of us that haven't spent a lot of time in rural Saskatchewan, just give us an idea of what you learned over that week, what what hockey means to rural Saskatchewan. And there are places in Manitoba where it would be exactly the same, but rural Saskatchewan and that Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League and the arenas in the small towns uh, in that league mean something extra special. And it's not unusual for the equivalent of every person in that town to be in the building when those games are being played.
7: Oh, and that was the thing is you could talk to somebody in there who's been to every single game. It was an outing. It's, it's like what, you know, high school football is in the states to people in small towns. Everybody goes out. It is the Friday night where you go and watch the game. Um, I think I've told you guys the story before, but there was one man I spoke to who'd been the volunteer um, timekeeper and scorekeeper for years that we'd spoken with. And he knew every single one of these kids. He knew every single player that had gone through there for the past decade and more. these kids and these players, and I keep saying kids because so many of them were were really young, but they were young men, meant so much to this community. We spoke to people who um, these young men would go out and they would shovel the driveways of the elderly in the in the community because that was what their coach had taught them to do was you are, you are a part of this community. You're not just a player. This community backs you and stands by you and you're to do the same. And you realize how much it means to people I don't think there's any of us that don't know somebody who played played hockey or a friend of a friend, whether it's your brother or a friend. I had friends that certainly did the same thing here. They billeted uh, with teams growing up and playing this. We saw what hockey meant to Canadians throughout all this, the sticks that came out. And I think that's really why this resonated so much with people was you knew that person, whether it was Logan Boulay or whether it was the kid that, you know, did what Logan had done before. Um, You felt like you knew each of them, whether it was a kid that you'd sent away. And it could be any one of our friends. It could be your child that you put on that bus that's going out to a game. It could be your child's best friend. We all had that person in our lives, which is why it hit everybody so impactfully.
2: Yeah, I don't think it had to be hockey per se for a parent to imagine that moment when they put their child on a bus to go to band, uh, you know, a ceremony or a basketball game or, you know, the truck mm-hmm. that they get into to, to hit the road early in the morning for whatever might be their passion at 16, 17 and 18. And so I think it connected with so many parents. And And as a parent, one thing that, you know, you keep thinking about is how you never want to have to go through what those parents and families went through. But at the same time, listening to those moms and dads speak, I was overwhelmed with Brittany And I know we've talked about this, their graciousness in their time of grief, and I will never forget Scott Thomas, whose son Evan was killed in the crash when he addressed the crowd at the very first home opener after that Uh crash, and how he thanked Canadians, he thanked people in the building that night, he thanked everyone at home watching on TV, uh, on behalf of all the sons and daughters lost. The family's resilience in this is incredible
7: it's it's amazing and Lauren you and i have both been in that position where you've had to knock on somebody's door after their child's passed away it's the it's the worst part of our jobs um but you know what it, it brings about some of the most memorable moments for me gracious is is the word you used and i can't use it enough is these families opened up their hearts um in the worst days of their lives to tell us about their loved ones and in the years that have come since. I've had multiple sit downs with people. We did one just just last year uh, with Matt Gimmersick and his family to talk about how it's impacted him years later. But. Not just in those days and those weeks right after. This has been three years of work for these families. The legacy that they've wanted to have left behind for those victims. They've been the lobbying efforts, the improvements that have been made at the intersection where the crash occurred. Is because of these families. It's because of these parents. We saw now you know training that's mandatory across Canada for semi uh, semi trailer drivers. We saw Logan Boulay and his family because of Logan's organ donation. The rules and attitudes have changed for Canadians around that. We saw how much what he did impacted people. And that's really been what we've seen over these past few years is how incredibly gracious those families were to share those memories with us. But then the resilience and the strength of them in the years moving forward to make sure that there were changes so that other families hopefully don't have to go through what they had to.
1: Brittany Greenslade from Global News joining us live on 680 CJOB on the third anniversary of the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Brittany, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. We've got a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza to give away based on your text messages, your stories about wood. Could be anything to do with it, whether it's something you built or tried to build and failed, or maybe you just had something funny that happened to you, like when I was dancing on a bench in a bar in Mazatlan, a bar called Bora Bora, the bench broke, I took a piece of the wood, the bouncers almost jumped me, but I got out in time, and now I still have that piece of wood! We have three text messages here, one from Dave, one from Don, and one from our winner, whom we shall reveal in a moment. I'll start us off with Dave, and Greg, you can read Don's, because I have no idea what he's talking about in that one, but okay. Dave says <laughs> you probably are more familiar with that stuff. Dave says when I was in woodworking class at school I cut a board but it was about an inch too short we had two teachers in the class I showed one of the teachers what I had done he said no problem just go ask the other teacher for the board stretcher so I did that and the teacher says the what? what can I say I was just a kid so they pulled one over on you Dave Yes, it sounds like uh,
0: sending out uh, your employees for steam for the malfunctioning cappuccino (laughs) machine. Take this pot and go get some steam. You did that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, where should we go? Try Wendy's next door. (laughs) Uh, They might have some steam there. (laughs) Dawn says a classmate in high school woodworking was making a table. Rather than using a jigsaw to create the decorative curves in the legs, he decided to use the uniplaner. The first attempt launched the leg right out through the window. Yes, he was removed <laughs> from the class. Now, I don't know if he just didn't know how to use the machine or whatnot. I think a uniplaner is when you put the, the piece of wood and it spins very rapidly and you sort of rest the chisel on another either a, a board or a piece of metal and... And you kind of work the wood that way from top to bottom, left to right. Is that, is that, am I getting it close, Brett? I don't sure. know. Oh, I saw, I saw <laughs> yeah. you Googling something. I'm trying, to, I'm
1: trying to find something, but I, I've, I found an image I can't even describe. I'll just have to share it okay. with you guys. Fair enough. Um, but, so I was a little, too, I, I don't know what it is. Uh, I was bad at all of that stuff. Surprise, surprise. But Loren, Patty is our winner.
2: Yeah. Coming in under the wire to Patty. Excuse me, one second. So dry where I am. So she writes to say, we actually made a deck at our campsite. We had a major flood last year and lost a lot of items down the river. We had no idea lumber would be so expensive and that replacing everything would be out of our price range. So. I suggested we use pallets and plywood and just frame the deck to look like we spent a lot. Well, the men at the camp scoffed at the idea, but I convinced my husband to do it. It looks amazing. We actually had a deck opening and had the park owner come cut the ribbon. It's called... (laughs) sexy deck. That's my story. (laughs) Thank you, Patty. Patty. I'm bringing sexy deck. (laughs) I kept thinking, Patty.
1: (laughs) You and the
7: sexy deck are the winner of the Santa Lucia Pizza $20 gift card.